Good morning and welcome to, what is it? It's the Snake River Lib Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having a wonderful day today. Um, talked yesterday about the uh, uh, Javier Millet winning in Argentina and what a, uh, a shock that is. Uh, now, I'm practical and pragmatic and realize that the likelihood of a single politician, even though, by the way, a politician, not really a politician, but now he is because he ran for election um, and won, uh, received, he won by the largest majority in Argentina since it became a democracy. I'm convinced that theoretically the same thing could happen here in the United States with the right candidate. But the problem is, and this is where it it gets to be huge, is that Americans, and sadly now even the middle class and corporate America, love suckling at the government teat. Is that harsh language? Perhaps it is, but there's no question. We hear it all the time from progressives, right? That all these subsidies for big oil and for big fill-in-the-blank. Of course, they don't mention the fact that the subsidies that oil receives is minuscule compared to what they're doing to prop up not only the uh, corn industry, through the ethanol, but solar, wind, etc. And all that stuff's outsourced to China. And that there's no intention to, to change that. In fact, every opportunity to mine, for example, rare earth metals in the United States is shut down. The president goes and declares this a, a national national whatever, you know, and puts it off limit limits. There's no question also, you know, I mean, the latest gig today, as of today, we'll just talk about this for just a second. You know, the president now is using the Defense Procurement Act to ramp up productions of electric production of electric heat pumps. Now, heat pumps, you know, perhaps they're really good uh, in moderate climates where it does get cold, but it doesn't get bone-chilling cold. But when your temperature outside is in the single digits, there's not a lot of heat to pump out of the air and into your house. Now, ground source heat pumps are different, of course, and they're, but those are usually... Well, they're very expensive and they require some infrastructure to be able to uh, run efficiently. I remember reading a uh, popular mechanics or something, popular science years and years and years ago about the ultimate uh, heat pump was a natural gas heat uh, ground source heat pump that ran, you know, that was obviously the source was from underground and in your yard. 
and it scavenged the heat off the generator that was natural gas to to um, warm the air even further. And so it's, it was efficient probably for its day even more so now. But I digress because he's using, he's using something that is used in a time of war. And that indicates to us how serious the president is about climate change. In fact, I, the textbook from a previous class that I took highlighted the fact that as the commander-in-chief, a very, very popular thing that, that presidents do is that they declare war on things because then they have this authority or they speak from authority as the commander-in-chief to fight this war, whether it's the war on, on poverty, whether it's the war on drugs, whatever the war is, it doesn't matter, okay, because he's the commander-in-chief. The war on climate change. Do you understand that that even if we complied with everything that the president would like to do in his fantasy land or that the greeners would like to do in their fantasy land, that the reduction, well, not in their fantasy land, because in their fantasy land, that requires reducing the Earth's population to 2 billion people. There are a few of them that will say that, but not very many, because people would tend to not be the one wanting to have to end their lives or become sterilized. So they declare all these wars, and and but even if they they other than the population reduction, they got everything they wanted. So we're all eating crickets, and scavenging for rats, and dogs and cats. The amount of reduction in carbon dioxide, which by the way is essential for plant growth. Would be so insignificant that it's not even worth talking about. Far better it would be, and by the way, you know, along the lines of their population zero, which is what they're really about anyway. Hardest hit are going to be people that can't afford the exorbitant prices for food and for energy. And we'll find out then that far more people die from the cold than die from it being excessively hot. Heaven forbid we actually have a, a, a cooling of the earth. Anyway, I digress from that. But they love to take this war wartime footing because then that f they feel like that gives them some sort of moral authority. You know, they want to fight the war on women. Not, not that they're instigating the war on women, well, unless it has to do with women in sports. But in defense... you know, of women, whatever that means. 
Are there inequalities? There will always be inequalities. Well, I'm sorry. Always is an absolute. The only way that you cannot have inequality is slavery. But even then, of course, some slaves are going to be more equal than others. And there has to be somebody that's overseeing the slaves. The dirty secret of Marx that they seem to forget. You know, Now, you know, the true believers of Marxism will say, well, yeah, we have to go through that stage. But on the other end of that stage, on the other end of that tunnel is, you know, utopia. My friends, we're not going to achieve a utopia on this earth where there are no poor and no rich until the coming of the Savior Jesus Christ again to the earth. Until that happens, we can try, and we should, but it should be as individuals trying to help our fellow men rather than governments taking from some to give to others. Let's move on, shall we? One thing I've started to notice in conservative media, and I think that what, what really highlighted this Megan Kelly, about a month ago on her podcast on SiriusXM, said that she was done with the transgender movement. That this ideology, actually, I'm not even going to use the term ideology. I'm going to call it for what it is, which is a theology. It's very simply that. It's a religion, people. She has correctly recognized that they're trying to overturn an entire culture. She believed that, does she believe that people who are truly transgender, that they, that we should not have compassion on them. No, we absolutely should, and I agree with that. I agree that that we should try to be compassionate to all. I fail. I think a lot of people fail, but I try. I tr I try to, and even if in the real time moment I can't help a reaction that I have, that's simply the conditioning. I'm trying to work to overcome that. But this, this legal nonsense about using somebody's pronouns, I mean, think about the ram. It's, it's not like, look, if you want to tell me your name is this, I'm going to try to use your name. But if you're going to then tell me, Phil, when you talk about me behind my back, you have to use this pronoun. I mean, stop and think about that statement for just a moment. 
Before you talk about me behind my back, this is how I want you to refer to me. Because that's what preferred pronouns means. But anyway, what I've started to notice in conservative media is while they refer to the people as identifying as transgender, when the story is simply about an individual, I'm starting to see a term that what used to be um, common in society is transvestite. Now, I understand the perception of the difference between transvestite and transgender. But should somebody who decides that's a man, for example, decides that they want to live life as a female, are they truly gender dysphoric? Because the fraction of the percentage that that actually afflicts is minuscule. And the vast majority of people who are identifying now as transgender did not fit, now perhaps the, the psychological community was wrong. I'm willing to give that. I mean, you know, they evolve. But do they evolve because of societal pressure and cultural pressure? Or is there new science backing it up? I mean, what is the science that dictates that a man is a woman? Are they gender dysphoric? I don't know. And this is very personal. I know this could be very hurtful. And for that, I apologize. And while you may go to live your life somewhere else, you know, because you can't, you feel like you're not going to be accepted in a community for what you are, even though that acceptance is growing all over the place. For people who knew you, especially parents, friends, relatives, etc., you understand how hard that is for them to just flip a switch. Even if they're trying to be compassionate and they're trying best they can to be accommodating. Do you understand how hard that is? I'm not sure that people do fully. It's not that people are trying to be offensive. They're not. You know, when a libertarian, um, if a libertarian were to win here in the United States, they would face, well, they'd face the Uniparty in Washington, D.C. Could you imagine, for example, a president? Here, let me give you an example. Let's pretend that Republicans really are a small government party, which they're not. But they're trying, and they're trying to do regular order right now. They're trying to get all these appropriation bills passed. Of course, they're on recess right now, so you can take that for what it's worth. Um, but they've passed. The House has has passed seven appropriations bills. 
and they're sitting in the Senate, and the Senate is doing nothing with them. The Senate's going to say, well, those are dead on arrival. What the Senate should do is they should take up those bills and they should amend the crap out of them to fit their values, whatever they can get passed in the Senate, and then go to conference. Say, here's where we are. What are we going to do about that? The Senate is not going to do that. There's no value in it. I mean, say, for example, you pass a appropriations bills for Department of Defense. And while neither side is thrilled about it, it's it's a deal that both sides can live with. And so it goes to the president's desk to sign it. But then when it comes to health and human services, they can't reach a deal the Senate and the House. And so HHS goes unfunded. Which impact has an impact primarily with Democrats. What do those Democrats do? Because their leverage of using defense is gone because that appropriations bill has already sailed and the president's already signed it. And so... Let's pretend for a moment that, that all these appropriation bills, that they work out deals. Or uh, they are working out deals, but one at a time they go into the House, they pass. You know, the, their conference goes to the House, the House conference passes it, the Senate passes it as amended. It goes to the desk of the President to sign. Do you think the President's going to sign uh, uh, something for defense with with maybe one of his pet projects like climate change sitting on the cutting room floor because because there's not an agreement that is going to be something that he wants. No, he's going to say, I'm not going to sign these bills. I'm going to veto them unless you send them all in one big group as an omnibus. Now imagine a libertarian in the White House. Day one, this is what I would do. Day one is I would would say, I'm submitting the Federal Register to the Congress that everything that the executive has written into law, every law is going to be voided unless Congress approves it. Extreme yes. Or better still, here, instead of doing that, which is hugely draconian, and I'm not sure that courts would agree to that, but you could do this. You go to Congress. You say, you have 90 days, and I've highlighted this before, but I'm going to do it again. It's my exercise. You have 90 days to take care of the drug laws, the federal drug laws. 
at the end of those 90 days, any drug law still on the books is going to be enforced. And let me tell you how that looks. There are all these states that have passed marijuana laws, allowing for marijuana. Recreational and medicinal. Starting on March 20th, 90 days. February, March, no, April 20th, 90 days. How fitting. 420. That's pretty funny. Starting on the 20th of April, DEA is going to start enforcing marijuana laws in all 50 states. One of two things will happen. You know, they're going to sue. Of course, they can't really sue until they actually start prosecuting because they don't have standing. Or federal judges will start throwing them out, which is great to me. That's fine. Federal judge can say, well, these laws are unconstitutional. This is a state issue. I'd love to have a federal judge on record for that because that opens up everything. I mean, people don't understand that the Dobbs decision, which was dealing specifically with abortion, which we've talked about numerous times, the pragmatism of abortion law, et cetera. It, it, it expands the ability to throw out federal law. To get crime enforcement, or law enforcement, rather better said, back into the hands of the state and local governments and get it out of the hands of the FBI. Federal government should not even be in the law enforcement business because the laws that should be federally enforced. I mean, border border laws shouldn't even be criminal prosecutions or civil prosecutions. That should be, the military should be on the border saying, no, you will not pass. Anyway. I'm going to take a glance to see if there's anything that I've missed. We're seeing the breakup. You know, we hear all the time the breakup of the Republican Party between the Trumpers and the never-Trumpers. That's a great cover for Democrats because they're seeing their own problems. Now, I want to point out a few things. You know, we're told the Republicans are racist, sexist, homophobes, et cetera, et cetera, divide, divide, divide. It's not Republicans that want to divide. It's not Republicans that believe in apartheid. It's the Democrats. Palestine, well, Israel is a perfect example. I said Palestine, but there is no Palestine, and there never has been. There's been Palestinia uh, under the Romans and through the Ottoman Empire, but it's never a country. You know, Jews and Christians used to be spread throughout the Middle Eastern world. 
All Muslim countries had Jews. They all had Christians in them. But then as uh, autocratic theocratic governments took over, Jews and Christians realized that they were not welcome there. And, you know, and the funny thing is Iraq, Iraq had a very significant Christian population in it under Saddam Hussein. Not so much now. So who, they talk about Israel being an apartheid state. Well, you can't argue that Israel is an apartheid state and then say we want a two-state solution. Why do you want a two-state solution? So the Palestinians can have their own land. Really? That sounds like apartheid to me. I'm just saying. But you're seeing a huge crack in the Democratic coalition. When you have every, when your coalition, the Democratic Party's coalition, is made up of people who claim to be victims, sooner or later, those victimologies are going to crash. Right now, of course, you've got the horrors, Holocaust-like horrors that Hamas has done and promises to do again against Israel. You know, you would think that people would, even people who are pro-Palestinian whatever, you would think that they would say, I cannot believe the atrocities that Hamas committed. But they deny it happened. They say, the people in the United States, well, the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They don't understand, or maybe they do, and they probably do, actually. That means the elimination of Israel as a state. Genocide. Do you think that the Israelis are, are committing genocide? Of course, that's what they're saying. The, peop the youth in this country brain-dead as they are, are claiming, calling the president Genocide Joe because he has stood in support of Israel. Now, I don't think his administration really does, although the State Department, the deep state, funny to see the deep state biting Democrats, doesn't happen very often. You know, they see the president as speaking pro-Israel. Now, if Israel was genocidal, which they're not, but if they were, do you think that they would send leaflets saying, we're going to be bombing this building on such and such a date, so please leave? Do you think that they would be saying, we're going to be moving in because we're trying to take out Hamas, which, by the way, is the duly elected government of Gaza? 
Gaza, by the way, not occupied by the Jews until after October 7th. Who's oppressing who? The favorite one, of course, is the LGBTQ mafia coming out in support of Hamas. These people would all be stoned or thrown off of buildings if Hamas was in charge. I got to run. I'm long, way longer than I thought I was going to be. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Perhaps another time we will talk about how Thanksgiving became, well, with the pilgrims, what really happened, as opposed to the mystery or the, uh, the kumbaya that is, passes for history. It's the Snake River Lib.